0: President Biden considers dropping the tariffs on China to the level before Trump administration. What could be the consequence of that? The United States is the only country willing to sell large equipment, large weapon systems to Taiwan, but why the current arms sales policy is misguided and would weaken Taiwan's defense? Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Win Kathy Show. I'm your host Kathy Zhang. So I apologize for the uh, late start, but uh, having a full, you know, a lot of good stories to tell you, and um, so a lot of information. I think you would find uh, uh, find interesting. So first of all, in regards in reacting to the record high inflation. President Joe Biden has repeatedly said that he might drop tariffs on China as a way to lower the inflation. So with the record-breaking inflation number coming out in May, which is 8.6%. Biden's administration is floating with the same idea again and suggested that they may reduce the tariffs to the days before the Trump administration. Would that be a smart move and would that work? Former deputy foreign advisor to the Trump administration and a board member of the American conservative union, Katie McFarland said that uh, it would be the worst thing to do. She gave two reasons. First, the move would not make any difference as the inflation comes from the biden's energy policy especially on the fossil fuels and the oversupply of the money second she believes this would send a very bad message to the chinese government that they can do anything and get away as they know the united states is so nervous about the inflation White House today announced that Joe Biden will visit Saudi Arabia um, next month in an apparent effort to ask Saudi to increase the oil supply so as to depress the oil price. Would that be fruitful? Katie McFarlane said that uh, it highly unlikely. As Saudi Arabia has been very upset with the Biden administration because of the support it lent to Iran, however, the trip to Iran would be used. The trip to um, the Saudi Arabia would be used by the administration as an excuse that the high energy costs is not Biden's fault, but Russia and the Saudis. Ms. McFarland said that uh, the real solution is that the U.S. gets back on producing oil and the natural gas and start to control its budget. So, what do you think? I would love to hear your comments. So, please leave um, your thoughts and the comments there. Or we will review that uh, in a moment. In a few moments. All right. So next, let's. Um, go you know take a look at the uh, Taiwan situation and uh, how the United States is dealing with that. We all know that the United States is the only country is willing to sell large web si- weapon systems to Taiwan. Uh, but uh, in the face of uh, Chinese um, governments uh, again threatened a war with America over Taiwan, just a couple of days ago in Singapore, the Defense Secretary Austin responded that the United States was committed to preserve its capabilities to resist any force or other forms of coercion that might endanger Taiwan. The United States has been selling arms to Taiwan since its, uh, it ended formal relationship with Taiwan in 1979 and recognized China diplomatically. Then Congress passed the Taiwan Relations Act, promised to ensure that Taiwan's status would be resolved peacefully. The Taiwan Relations Act also established the American Institute on Taiwan, de facto U.S. Embassy, and provided a Taiwan defensive weapons. Former President Reagan reinforced the U.S. commitment by providing Taiwan with the six assurances and two of which are, were related to weapons. First, the United States has, no agreed, has not agreed to set a date for ending arms sales to Taiwan. And second, the United States has not agreed to consult with the PRC on arms sales to Taiwan. And uh, recently, there's a report came out of the White House saying that uh, Taiwan should focus weapon purchases on so-called uh, symm- asymmetric weapons. And so what does that mean? Lieutenant, uh, former, um, former U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Ger- Germante Lilari, he argued that Such kind of arms sales policy to Taiwan is misguided and would weaken Taiwan. He also analyzes at least five scenarios that Taiwan could be attacked, according to the Chinese POA's document. So we will just, uh, you know, have uh, uh, actually, yeah, I had a deep. Very lengthy conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lalari about that, and uh, he reviewed uh, some very detailed information. And uh, as you may remember, Lieutenant Colonel Lalari is a retired U.S. Air Force Foreign Area Officer and worked for the Assistant Secretary of Defense before. And he is currently a Taiwan Fellow by the Taiwan Ministry of Foreign Affairs and is doing research. At the National Chengchi University in Taipei. So, first of all, because um, uh, Lieutenant Lalari's uh, argument is that uh, this policy is misguided. So, um, what's the what does um, the U- Department of State and also the Department of Defense? mean by the asymmetric weapons, and uh, why is, uh, it, it has problems. So let's take a listen.
1: The word asymmetric means that one side has something more than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, for example, in the case of Taiwan and the PLA, the PLA has, let's say, more fighter aircraft uh, than Taiwan. Uh, In other words, there is asymmetry between the PLA and the Taiwanese military. And I've given some examples of asymmetric weapons. For example, during World War II, as we all know, that the uh, United States convinced the Japanese to stop the war because of the dropping of two nuclear weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. That was an example of, of using asymmetric warfare against Japan to compel them to the emperor to tell everybody to stop fighting. Uh, so that, that's an example. The United States government is trying to convince Taiwan that it needs the weapons that it's giving Ukraine to fight its war. So the weapons that the United States is giving to Ukraine are small tactical weapons that are useful with small groups of individuals, military people, to use against the Russians. For example, the Javelin anti-tank missile is used by a few uh, soldiers who can sneak around and if they see a uh, tank or armored personnel carrier, they can shoot at it and it will be destroyed. Uh, Same thing with fighters, uh, the United States government and other countries are giving Ukraine Stinger missiles, which are anti-aircraft missiles. Again, these are man-portable anti-aircraft missiles that if the Russians were to use aircraft in a low-altitude attack, let's say it's called strafing, when the plane comes down and shoots machine gun bullets or drops bombs at low altitude, the Stinger missile is effective against them. The Ukrainians used also um, some anti-ship missiles to destroy the Moskva naval command ship in the Black Sea. This is not man-portable, but it's uh, a smaller weapon system. So the idea is that they want to uh, make Taiwan buy these kinds of weapons uh, so that when the PLA invades, it will be a painful type of war against the PLA. It's an, It'll be uh, an attrition war. It, it, it'll be bloody war, uh, just like what's happening in Ukraine.
0: So, what's the real problem with such kind of uh, asymmetric warfare?
1: So, the problem with this is that the United States government appears to be not only wanting the Taiwanese government to buy these kinds of weapons, but they want them to only buy those kinds of weapons. So, the problem with this is that that assumes That the PLA is going to invade Taiwan like Russia did. So the formula would work as long as at some point in the future the United States military were to intervene because otherwise the mass amounts of people, weapons, and material uh, that could be used against Taiwan eventually the Taiwanese people would be taken over just because PLA is so much larger uh, than Taiwan. So if you ask the military advisors right now about what's happening in Ukraine, uh, if if the Ukrainians are going to win the war, um, that's debatable. Um, Because what's happening is the Ukrainians are causing a lot of uh, damage uh, to the Russian military. But the Russian military has occupied a large portion of eastern Ukraine, and they're not leaving, like I said, because mineral resources there. So the invasion scenario, if it is the case that Taiwan buys those weapons that the United States government wants it to buy, and if the, if the U.S. government intervenes, then that works. But if the U.S. government doesn't intervene, then what the U.S. government is asking Taiwan to do, basically, is to suffer tremendously, because the invasion will... Uh, be very bloody, and anybody who's fighting will be killed or captured. So what I argue in my article that you mentioned is that given the fact that the United States government has not committed to defending Taiwan, and even though Biden might have said, you know, we will help Taiwan, uh, that doesn't guarantee that the United States government is going to militarily intervene, just like it has not militarily intervened in Ukraine. It has only provided weapons. So the problem with this scenario, let's just say that this continues, is that I I believe your audience would recall that the weapons that we delivered to Ukraine only occurred in mass, in large quantities, once the Russians invaded. Now the problem with this scenario is that if the PLA invade Taiwan, it is my argument that the PLA will prevent anybody from providing weapons to Taiwan. In other words, they're going to conduct uh, an embargo or a blockade or whatever term you want to use to prevent any kind of weapons from being flown into Taiwan or being uh, shipped into Taiwan. That's the only way to do it. As in Ukraine, you had a border with Poland, Romania, and the Czech Republic, uh, which arms could be delivered to the Ukrainian military with Taiwan, there is no land bridge to anybody. And if if the PLA Navy and the PLA Air Force prevent any aircraft or any ships from arriving, that means that there will be no resupply. You know, and there is a difference between a a few billion dollars worth of arms versus $40 billion worth of arms, which is what we're uh, $40 billion of aid, half of it, which is mainly military, $20 billion. uh, But that's, again, after the war has started. This problem is that uh this, this formula that the United States government currently is promoting is a failure because the U.S. government won't be able to provide weapons after the war starts. And two, it is not guaranteed that the U.S. government will, will order the military to intervene.
0: So in that case, why the current administration has such kind of a misguided arms sales policy to Taiwan?
1: I I would take uh, several possible reasons. Uh, The most innocent reason is because there are people in Washington, Department of Defense, CIA, Department of State, all these different agencies that believe that what worked in Ukraine is going to work for Taiwan as a very simple explanation. Uh, I'm not so sure that's the case. The more sinister way to look at it is that the U.S. government has decided to push this asymmetric weapons concept onto Taiwan exclusively. I wouldn't have a problem if they were just pushing it and allowing Taiwan to buy other weapons like uh, the MH-60 helicopters that are designed for anti-submarine warfare that uh, the Taiwanese military needs to renew, uh, get new ones because the current ones are over 40 to 50 years old, and they need to be replaced. And the technology is much better in the newer newer weapon systems. Um, or the E2D airborne early warning and command and control aircraft that they want to buy. That these both these weapon systems were denied by the Biden administration. So if the Biden administration had allowed. Taiwan to buy it and was encouraging these other weapons, that would be no problem. But by denying these weapons systems, it forces me to believe that there's something else going on. And that something else going on is perhaps the continuation of the policy that President Obama had against Taiwan in terms of preventing them from buying weapon systems that, let's say, the Chinese government, the Communist Chinese government, might not like as much Um, And this tradition was originally started by former President Carter when he uh, broke our relationship with Taiwan, giving Taiwan only two-week notice that we were going to cease our relationship with Taiwan. And a year later, we would uh, cancel our mutual defense agreement uh, with Taiwan. So this tradition of Carter, Obama, and now Biden, I suspect, connected. I don't have proof. But based on the actions of the current administration, this leads me to believe that. Uh, And by forcing the Taiwanese government to only purchase asymmetric weapons means that they won't be able to defend themselves in other scenarios besides the invasion, which I'd be happy to go.
0: President Trump, did he had a different uh, approach on that?
1: Yes, he allowed um, pretty much any weapon Uh, System that they asked for. For example, uh, the Taiwanese government asked to purchase an additional, I believe, 66 uh, F 16 fighter jets that were, uh, they call them uh, the highest uh, fourth generation fighter that there is, level 70, they call it. Uh, And so uh, when the Taiwanese government asked to buy it, he approved it, no problem. President Obama had denied Taiwan from buying that enhanced F 16. So, yes. Uh, and again, my opinion is based on the evidence I see uh, is that President Trump was allowing uh, Taiwan to buy pretty much any weapon system that they asked for. Uh, you know obviously he's not going to sell them a nuclear weapon, but he's willing to uh, sell them weapon systems that will that would uh, address the other scenarios besides invasion which they're worried about. Uh, for example, the f16s are, not only useful against invasion, but because they can have harpoon missiles placed on them that they can be shot at ships coming to invade, they can be used to shoot down aircraft from the PLA. Uh, they can do a lot of different missions. Um, they can also attack the PRC. They can reach the PRC and bomb the cities along the coast, military bases, etc. So it's both a defensive and offensive weapon. Um, what the Biden administration is asking Taiwan to do is only buy defensive weapons, uh, which puts Taiwan in a difficult situation if the PLA decides to use another method to take over Taiwan.
0: So according to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lailari. The current arms sales um, policy that the weapon sell, uh, selling to Taiwan could only deal with the situation that uh, the Chinese POA invade Taiwan. But uh, according to the POA's document, um, the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lalari believes that uh, actually the POA are considering possibly some other scenarios, other methods to attack Taiwan. So what are those possible methods?
1: Okay, so based on a variety of people's research, including including, uh, Ian Easton, some think tanks, and uh, some other analysis, there are at least five scenarios. And I just want to remind uh, everyone that the five scenarios that I'm going to describe can be used individually or in combination. These are the known scenarios. I'm going to mention some of the ones that might be available but are not discussed. The first one is what they call joint firepower strike operations. Uh, It's basically missile strikes and airstrikes against targets in Taiwan, mainly against the political leadership and the military bases. In other words, the PLA would strike to try to take out the government and the military. Once they've done this, they would argue for surrender. In other words there would be no invasion There would be just a strike um, and none of the weapon systems that are currently being forced Taiwan to buy address this um, for example missiles that would be used against Taiwan there is nothing in that inventory that talks about an anti-missile system uh, because it is not tactical it requires like a patriot or for example some of the systems that Israel has Iron Dome or David Sling or or even Arrow, those are bigger systems and and more expensive uh, and would address a missile strike, a major missile strike against Taiwan. Uh, And the airstrike, these bombers could be flying very high and they they can drop uh, missiles uh, and bombs that the Stinger uh, could not reach because the altitude is too high. Uh, So again, these weapons that we're forcing Taiwan to buy don't address this scenario. The idea behind this attack, would it would uh, lower morale of the people and the military because the military would be pretty much taken out, all the ships, all the planes. Uh, now obviously, Taiwanese military have taken precautions to deal with this, for example, there are bunkers uh, that are used by the Air Force to protect their bombers, uh, some of them are in the mountains, etc. So you know, it's not like uh, if this happens, game over. Taiwan has taken action to deal with this problem. But none of the weapons, again, that Biden administration wants to sell deal with this issue. Uh, and, of course, if the Taiwanese government, what's left of it, doesn't respond favorably to the PLA or the CCP's request to give up, then they could do an invasion. Okay, But the point is, is that this by itself could force the Taiwanese government to give up.
0: So uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lalari believes that uh, one possible method, the first scenario for PLA to attack Taiwan is um, joint fire strike strike operation. Then what's the second scenario?
1: The second scenario is a joint blockade operation against Taiwan. In other words, the PLA would set up what they call in the Navy a picket, in other words, a, an area of operation that they would prevent any military resupply of Taiwan, and the Air Force would do the same thing in the air. This would require ships and airplanes to be flying around the area of Taiwan, but not within striking distance of the weapon systems that the U.S. government is currently trying to sell to Taiwan. For example, the Harpoon ground-based missile Uh, has a range of about 75 miles, which is less than the distance between Taiwan and China, which is roughly 100 plus miles. Uh, So the PLA Navy could set up its naval ships around Taiwan beyond the range of the Harpoon missile, and uh, the aircraft could be flying higher than the Stinger uh, that the U.S. wants Taiwan to buy, and those weapons would be ineffective. But the idea behind the blockade would be to force Taiwan to capitulate. In other words, for example, it's well known that 70% of the energy that Taiwan uses for electricity is from the oil from the Middle East. If the PLA Navy stopped all oil to Taiwan, the energy required to maintain normal life in Taiwan would be radically changed. Um, Now, Taiwan can take care of itself in terms of food, uh, but energy is a problem. And so again, this would apply pressure to the Taiwanese government. And again, the U.S. military would have a problem intervening because, as I mentioned before, the Strategic Command said that the Chinese military is, is getting the capacity and capability to threaten nuclear war if anybody intervenes into Taiwan. So the idea behind this would be that the U.S. government would be deterred from trying to help Taiwan because of the threat of nuclear war, which is the same threat that Putin provided uh, to anybody who sent in military personnel into Ukraine. So he deterred the the anti-Russian alliance coalition from sending any military into Ukraine. This is the same method that the uh, CCP plans to use uh, against the U.S. military in a joint blockade operation.
0: And uh, what's the third scenario?
1: Number three scenario is the what we call the joint attack operations against Taiwan. This is uh, the invasion scenario. Let me explain something about an invasion. Most people when they think of an invasion, they think that the military has to build up its forces that there will be plenty of indications that the invasion is, is being done, maybe two weeks notification, and then the invasion would occur. Uh, that's true, but there's also other invasion scenarios which are not necessarily to give people time to prepare for. Uh, it could be a quick out of the blue scenario where let's say a recently PLA Navy conducted a massive exercise with its uh, first aircraft carrier uh, near Taiwan, in that case, with the aircraft carrier, uh, and as we, as we know that the PLA has its second carrier is operational. Um, so let's say they conduct a exercise uh, with these two carriers, and when the exercise is over, suddenly there's a invasion with these two carriers uh, off the coast and all the ships associated with the carrier. Uh, that could be up to 10 ships each, 20 ships. And so it would be a, a strike out of the blue. In other words, the Taiwanese government and, and all the other intelligence agencies around the world wouldn't necessarily know that they, the PLA was going to do an invasion against Taiwan in that scenario. And the same thing, by the way, with the blockade. Uh, a blockade wouldn't take very long to organize, and it would be very quick before it, w- it wouldn't provide much reaction time for anybody to deal with a blockade. Uh, number four. Uh, is uh, what they call a joint anti-air raid operation. Um, And in this scenario, this is much more aggressive uh, scenario. This is a scenario where uh, the PLA actually does a preemptive strike against not only Taiwan, but US military bases in the region. For example, against uh, Japan, against Guam, possibly even as far away as Hawaii or maybe even the West Coast. Again, this is a very aggressive scenario, uh, but this is a scenario that the PLA has written about. This is not some fict- fictional concept. Uh, so they have a plan to deal with, to to do this if, if again, ordered by the, C- the leadership of the CCP. Again, in this scenario, they would require Taiwan to capitulate, uh, given the fact that the U.S. military was taken out or at least temporarily removed from the from the let's say game board. Uh, they would follow an invasion unless Taiwan capitulated. And And the idea being with Taiwan, seeing that the U.S. military uh, was pretty much given a good kick in the face, they would uh, capitulate. Again, an invasion could occur also. But the initial uh, phase, Taiwan could give up without an invasion. So this is number four.
0: And uh, what would be the number five scenario?
1: The fifth, fifth one, is what they call a joint border for air defense operation. It's basically a scenario that the mil- the military the PLA has done against uh, India, where there's skirmishes along the border, internal problems, uh, let's say, with a Tibetan uh, people who are f- trying to rebel against the uh, CCP and the PLA and and its uh, security apparatus. And this one here is um, a little different than the other ones, but it's, it's, a, it's a planned scenario. In other words, they plan to use more of an army land-based uh, scenario uh, against Taiwan. Basically, let's say a counterinsurgency uh, type scenario where, let's say, instead of an invasion, they would, uh, let's say, have airborne troops come in or special forces come in and start conducting, uh, operations on the island. Uh, again, the stereotype of invasions of a bunch of ships, a bunch of planes, and you know, on the coast, uh, this would be more, uh, surgical operation, but, uh, focus uh, against, uh, military targets. I want to mention though, that actually, uh, most importantly, out of all these five scenarios, the is a scenario I didn't mention. It's the current scenario. It's what, the PLA and the CCP are doing against Taiwan today, which is what we call political warfare. They're using everything short of war to intimidate, to uh, reduce morale against the Taiwanese people, the government and the military. Uh, They're using propaganda, they're using media, social media, they're using uh, legal means to try to diminish Taiwan's voice. For example, recently we saw how the CCP prevented Taiwan from even attending the World Health Assembly meeting because Taiwan does not have a seat in the UN. But there are plenty of other organizations that were able to attend that are not state actors. They're non-state actors. They're organizations. Uh, But the CCP prevented Taiwan from even sitting as an observer in, in these meetings. So this is the warfare that is currently going maybe some of your audience might be more familiar with the United Front mm-hmm. uh, operations,
0: yeah.
1: which include political warfare. And so right now Taiwan is fighting uh, the CCP, in, uh, but not in a military sense, in a direct military sense, but in a legal sense, in a financial sense, and all these other dimensions. This is the current scenario that they're operating under, in fact, that CCP is trying to erode idea of independence. Uh, in the government, in the people, and the military of Taiwan. This is an ongoing war. It's been going on since the very beginning of the conflict, which is, of course, in the early 1920s when the nationalists and uh, communists split uh, and the fighting has been ongoing. Now, the military is involved in this in the sense that the, when the PLA Air Force uh, flies uh, missions close to Taiwan It forces the the Taiwanese military to respond uh, with detecting, with scrambling fighters. Uh, But in this sense, it is day-to-day. It, uh, let's say, increases the number of hours that those fighter jets are flown, uh, which decreases their lifespan. And so this is a slow, slow, uh, slow method of of, uh, defeating Taiwan. And it is the longest-term fighting that they are dealing with.
0: So what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lalari talked about, the political warfare that the CCP has been um, going on, you know, has been doing that uh, to Taiwan, indeed, is since the first day. And uh, so what's CCP's intention for doing such kind of uh, political warfare?
1: What they call political destruction. They want to destroy a political entity that Taiwan represents. And they're also doing psychological intimidation, whether it's the, those aircraft flying uh, close by or their ships, uh, the aircraft carrier, all these exercises. Those are scenarios. But there are o- other things that it's doing too. For example, cyber war. They're, they're, they're constantly trying to uh, find ways to affect Taiwan. For example, recently there were some cases where a TV station accidentally put up some announcements on their uh, on their screen, which indicated that there was a missile attack. You, it wasn't. Some analysts say that that was actually a cyber attack by the PLA to intimidate the people of Taiwan. It was a message. There are other scenarios that are not talked about uh, that could also cause the capitulation of Taiwan. I'll give you one. Um, when a nuclear weapon is detonated at high altitude, it causes what they call an electromagnetic magnetic pulse. Uh, That pulse is so powerful that it will destroy um, integrated circuits, uh, say on your computer or on your phone. It could be used, for example, it won't have any radiation effect uh, to the people below, but the electronic pulse will destroy electronics. And so um, that could be another scenario um, that is not discussed in their literature, but it certainly is a capability that they have uh, and they could use against Taiwan again to intimidate, to force capitulation of the government. And there are other possibilities that we don't know about that they probably have thought about. So the field is wide for them to give give them options. And I go back to my original question about why the asymmetric weapons are a problem is because these weapons are only for one scenario. And actually I've given you seven Uh, So if only one of them applies, it it means that the other four of the actual military scenarios leaves Taiwan wide open for those other ones, and it makes it more vulnerable. And that's why Taiwan should be able to buy the weapons that it needs and it wants, and should not be constrained by the Biden administration from buying, again, these weapon systems that they want, specifically the uh, E2D, command and control, uh, airborne early warning system, the helicopters for anti-submarine warfare. Uh, Let me just give you a quick uh, idea about these helicopters. If the uh, PLA decided to do a blockade, prevent ships from coming into Taiwan, these helicopters would detect the submarines that the PLA Navy has. And so with with this notion, the, the Taiwanese military could destroy these submarines that are preventing shipping from coming in. That's why it's so important. And the, in the blockade scenario, these, these helicopters are very important. But the U.S. government is not allowing Taiwan to buy them. So it, it makes it weaker in the blockade scenario. So I hope I've given uh, you a, a good overview. <laughs> Maybe it's too much, but uh, a good overview of what I, I'm trying to argue.
0: So, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Lalari just to break down the possible scenarios, what the Chinese POA could do to Taiwan. And uh, he, that's why he believes by, for Taiwan to only buy the asymmetric weapons, won't be able to handle uh, those type of um, different type of a contingency. So how do you think? The United States is the only country is willing to sell large weapon system to Taiwan. The Chinese Communist Party has threatened economically and uh, using other sanctions on other countries friendly to Taiwan for doing the same. So how Taiwan should deal with such kind of um, the current arms sales policy uh, from the United States and uh, with the possible Contingency of POA attack Taiwan in different ways. Lieutenant Colonel Gurmonti Larari suggests that um, Taiwan should continue to pressure the United States and other potential brave countries to assist Taiwan with its defense needs. And he believes Taiwan should continue to ramp up its indigenous weapons production and the training of its defense forces based on its needs and for all contingencies, not just one contingency and not as only directed by the current United States administration. Lieutenant Colonel suspects such asymmetric weapons policy that the current Biden administration is um, simply an extension of the Carter and the Obama administration's desire to kowtow to CCP's pressure and reduce the quality and quantity of weapons that the United States provides for Taiwan's defense. Lieutenant Colonel Lalari said uh, if the United States change its strategic ambiguity policy to strategic clarity and uh, declare that it would support Taiwan if the POA attacks, then this clarity would help Taiwanese people, the politicians, and the military trust that the United States would truly help them and uh, purchasing asymmetric weapons would make sense. He said uh, deploying U.S. military personnel to Taiwan to train and exercise together would also certainly enhance such kind of trust. So what do you think, mm, you know, how United States really should deal with uh, this, um, uh, this uh, crisis between Taiwan and uh, the POA and, uh, you know, how to handle it in the way that uh, it can really you know make the threat less or you just weaken the uh, CCP's uh, intention of invading Taiwan because I don't think the United States uh, is ready to get involved in another war uh, so but uh, you know what would be the good policy right so uh, well, yeah please uh, let you know share with everyone how do you think? All right. So let's see some of uh, uh, com- some of the comments. Louis said that Biden drops tariff as a payback to his CCP masters. Just more confirmation of his treason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that relates to the Biden administration's um, possible dropping the tariff against China. So that's you know frankly really not a good idea based on our understanding of the ccp you know when the trump administration you know po- imposed uh, such tariff it's really not uh, imposing something that uh, is unfair because this is really the re- you know reciprocity to the ccp the government what it has been having a you know, trade war against the United States and uh, the CCP government, they only take a strong United States as, um, you know, if the if, if United States is strong, then it won't um, just uh, do whatever it wants to do. Otherwise, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's so taking a soft step, soft uh, action on the CCP won't really help with the situation. And uh, Larry said, a more drilling of oil and no more spending for this year. Yeah, I think that's uh, what a lot of people saying that could really uh, alleviate the ever increasing inflation. Okay, and uh, oh, Kitty said uh, you've taken some hard names. Yeah, some of the names are just uh, hard to pronounce. Uh, I, you know, hope, I, I wish I had more time just to prepare and uh, to do better job on that. So uh, out on a limb, you said all those CCP companies listed in his executive order will be happy if he lifts the tariffs indeed so it's 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 mind boggling right so like this administration is saying something doing something but you know on the other hand is just uh, taking some actions um, going against with the other actions or the words that they say so Yeah, you know, people just, uh, I think I noticed um, probably Lewis said uh, just, uh, you know, they say something, but do something else. So that tells, they tell something. So we really have to have the politicians walk the talk, right? Um, Charlie said that Taiwan needs to sink the invasion fleet underwater, if they let the CCP forces get into Javelin or Stinger range, they've already lost. That's a, that's a good point. Because a lot of people compare Taiwan with Ukraine, but indeed, there's a lot of different things are different between these two countries. Oh, Luis uh, just uh, said something about uh, the, you know, one of the largest um, Meal production company Smithfield in California is closing all its facilities by next year, I believe. And uh, Louis believed this is uh, intentional. Well, yeah, so, well, you know, I think I, I covered this, uh, had an ex- episode on this uh, f- uh, CCP's um, acquiring those uh, food companies in the United States. It, you know, it's not a good good situation for, uh, for America to, uh, have to rely on the Chinese communist, government, um, for the food supply. Again, you know, in this pandemic, we already know, you know, what could happen when we rely too much on such kind of regime for our daily necessities, like the medical supplies, the food supplies. So yeah. And um, let's see. Kitty Hawk said, um, "All those billions to those who want us die dead." Okay, and wow, there are a lot of um, comments today. So uh, probably I won't be able to get through all of these and. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know if you have, uh, you know, what's your takeaway from Lieutenant Colonel Lalari's um, analysis of the United States arms sales policy to Taiwan and uh, what would be the scenarios that the POA uh, will, you know, do to Taiwan. And uh, so I think it's, it's really good to know, you know, all those insights. And uh, Louis said that when this is over, other countries will not allow to own companies that affect our food supply chain like Smithfield until then 30 pork on deck. Okay. And uh, you also said that China will move on Taiwan because they know Biden time is Very limited. Yeah, so there's uh, there's some analysis on that saying you know for CCP, they they would they might think it's a good time right now and with the the domestic pressure in the United States um on you know and it could think it is a good timing right now. Um, On the other hand, in in China, inside China, it also has a lot of problems. Uh, for example, the lockdowns in Shanghai and other big cities. So it's it's a really chaotic situation inside China. So the CCP has its own problem, um, right there. So how would it? Um, and, and it's got you know the Congress, the twentieth uh, um, biggest meeting. In the CCP is coming up. There has been a lot of uh, talk on the infights uh, between the CCP leadership. So yeah, in, inside China, there's also you know very very complicated situation. What what it uh, just uh, you know what what's what it could uh, it do to deal with that and to weigh on its move. On Taiwan so it's it's gonna be very interesting so I think what we have to say is um, just to wait and see and um, sometimes the CCP it uh, one way for its uh, to resolve its infight is seek outwards and uh, to find find another so-called common enemy for its people so it's it's a, there's a possibility for The CCP uh, taking on Taiwan right, you know, very soon. Um, But um, yeah, the situation in the things uh, about China is just not transparent, and uh, so yeah, we will see. Okay, I think uh, this is uh, and that's it for now for today. And uh, really, you know, very insightful comments and. So I hope you also find uh, my interview with the Lieutenant Colonel Lailari also insightful and helpful. Okay, so good night and take care. We'll see you on Friday. Bye bye.